Hi, you're listening to Authorised. My name's Harry Reardon. You can find me online under Victor Reardon or at VictorSmith197 on Twitter. Thank you. Hope you enjoy. Hello. Hi, how's it going? Really, really well. I'm so happy you've come through because I have had an absolute nightmare getting these going, so it's quite nice to hear. Right, I'm going to just introduce... Do you know what? Do you want to introduce yourself? Is that... Can we do that? Yeah, yeah I'm happy to do that. Uh, my name is okay. Tahani Nelson, and I am the author of The Fight Chronicles, which is a military fantasy series that's available on Amazon and Audible. That, sound, that sounds amazing. How did you get started doing this? I've always loved reading. For as long as I can remember, I've loved to read. But when I was young, like I got pretty over the, the classic fantasy tropes really early. Like I hated love triangles by the time I was 14. And I was so tired of damsels in distress. And I was so tired of so many things that are in classic fantasy. So I just started writing all of the characters that I wanted to see when I was young. And originally it was just for me, but it's grown since then. And now I've been doing pretty well. So how, how many books have you got now? Is it four? I have two full-length novels out and then two short stories that are in the same world. And then I have two additional short stories that have nothing to do with the Fight Chronicles. So what is, what is the... Like, is it the Fai? Fai, you call it? Yep, Fai. Because I'm yet to re- I'm I'm yet to read one, but I've had I had a look online. Uh, I looked at the artwork that you've got and all that, and it it looks fantastic. And I'm intrigued that you've created this world, essentially, which to me is fascinating. Yeah, and I did. What I really wanted to do was create a world that young me wanted and so i ended up creating a matriarchal society and so all of the main characters are women and uh Faye just really translates into warrior but because english tends to be a little bit patriarchal it wouldn't work for my series if people if i had called it the last warrior people would almost always assume it was a male first and a female second and i wanted to create a language where if you hear some of the words you think of a woman first and a male second so i created the fai chronicles and the fai language and i only use like i think six words in the actual books themselves <laughs> but that's what it is it's yeah. just it's a matriarchal language rather than our patriarchal English. I love that. And the, the uh, stereotypes, the things that you get tired of, I like the, the uh, damsel in distress is one of the biggest ones. Cause I grew up as a massive comic book guy. Like, and I love, so when you see comic book films doing mm-hmm. really well, that makes me happy. But like, as much as I love the original Spider-Man, the, the biggest trope that they, they, it, runs dry very quickly is that mary jane is there just to scream and be captured that is what mary jane does so much so that they recycled yeah so much so that they recycled her screams in the third film like that's not even her screaming at that point it's just (laughs) audio they've looped back in and it it i don't understand it i don't i get it like if they didn't have anything for her to do but they did you know what i mean like in the new games especially you can she gets her own story essentially and and that is important especially because i think that for so long people assume that only guys were reading fantasy or only guys were reading comic books and then with especially with the mcu people are like oh no both or all genders 
really seem to enjoy comic books. Maybe we should start actually broadening our horizons. And so that's nice. We're living in a really neat time where all of the tropes that we grew up with mm. are not going to be the same tropes that our children have. Absolutely. It makes me so happy seeing. So I've got um, I've got loads, like a bunch of nieces and the options for them now, like my one of them, I've got into Wonder Woman and she loves Wonder Woman. It makes me so oh, happy that there's something out. Yeah, there's something out there now where like she sees that and she's like, no, you know, she likes Barbie. She likes that sort of stuff. But if she wants to grab the sword and shield and she's got the armor, then she could put that on. You know, I think that is I think that's fantastic. And I think I I see a you know. lot of that happening more and more. I go to Renaissance fairs quite often and I'm always decked in the armor that I'm wearing now. And I've always got my swords and everything like that and young girls in particular always come and find me and they're like tell me all everything about your breastplate and i'm like i'm going to because i want to <laughs> i want to entertain them or introduce them to armor at a young age so they don't have to wait till college like i did <laughs> is that is that the age is that the age that you discovered it was it i always enjoyed fantasy and i always enjoyed armor but i didn't get my own set until college and part of that is money and part of yeah. that is because I didn't want to be the weird oh. person. And then by college, I'm like, I am going to be the weird person. I'm going to fully embrace this. And so now I wear armor to all of my events. I do it all of my interviews. And part of it is because it is something I love. And part of it is because even if you don't know I have a book or even if you don't want to read any new books if you're interested in armor it's a it's a conversation starter and so i do meet a lot of really cool people just because everywhere i go now i wear armor to all of my events <laughs> that is okay so what's the origin of the armor then like in the sense that what do you do do you did you buy it piece by piece do you did you create it yourself what's because i've seen the pictures the pictures look fantastic i did uh, it took a lot of practice and a and... lot of learning outside of my regular degree like i have an english degree which is not uh conducive to metal work or leather working but in, <laughs> in college i just had all this armor and all this leather all over my dorm room and i was slowly learning to put it together and make it myself and now i've done a good job there's things that i want to uh, learn how to do better and keep changing on it but i have the rest of my life to keep learning so I make new pieces. I just have. I just got these that, new bracers. I love them. Like everything's working out pretty well. Y your <laughs> your story at college making armor sounds like an origin story. <laughs> my, like my roommates. Just, just, yeah. Like no, I think that's wicked. I would have been so. I would have been so happy if I had a roommate and they were just putting together armor all the time. It would have been so great. Like, cause how you. Oh, where I, I don't know it's so different where I'm from like I, I go I've been to one comic-con and I don't know I, the people don't treat it the same way over here like I felt awkward putting on this Rorschach costume and sort of sitting on the train and everyone's staring at you I'd much rather just deck myself out in armor and just rock it I think that'd be <laughs> I think such a better I way think of I doing it I used to be much more self-conscious about it and a lot of it's just come with now that I wear armor everywhere, I am no longer self-conscious. Like, my local news refers to me as local armored woman on a lot of different things. Um, every time I go to any sort of book event, we have a, a annual Christmas event where everybody in town that writes books, they have, like, different booths and people can go around and 
buy books for their family for Christmas gifts and whatnot. And everybody else dresses in like really pretty Christmas clothes and they've got dresses and they look nice. And I come in my armor every year, every year. <laughs> and they're just like, oh God, she's here again. That's, <laughs> I just. That's, that is, <laughs> that is fantastic. How, how many times have you appeared on the news that they've got a name for you? Do you, how does that come about? Um, like... Every time I do an event that's public, like I did an event at a farmer's market once and uh they took pictures of all of the different farmers market and they they've got all of their like fruits and vegetables and their handmade crafts and whatnot and then like it zooms over to me and i'm in full armor on one side with all these books and they're like local armored woman at a farmer's market and so many people came to the farmer's market that next year or that next weekend to be to come see we so it yeah, happens. I mean, if there if there was a a local woman decked out in armor, there's no way I wouldn't want to go and get a picture. I'd be like, "That's fantastic!" I wear a suit, and people look at me funny around where I'm from. So, I mean, well, that's great. How do you? Because oh, go I on, live sorry. in I live in Montana, which is the middle of nowhere. It's like the the last bit of the the wild west in the u.s and so this is not common attire this is not something that anybody else does out here no so i mean i have people that come up no, all the time and like hey i have seen you around and i'm like i bet you do and they're like i didn't know you wrote books but i've seen you and so that's like the first step to me being known i guess is they might not know i write but they've seen me and i feel like that's one step closer to them <laughs> coming and finding my books no, I love that. I think that's absolutely fantastic, and it's it's a it's a way of bridging the gap, especially like my first book was about a um uh, it's a the physical embodiment of anxiety and depression. It's a demon. I can't see myself dressing up as that, but I need to start writing armored. I need to write a character like that. So how does your how does your husband react? Do you get him to wear armor? Do oh, you? He... Has he got a choice? I mean, not choice but like has he got like i don't know I, I, i'm wording that awfully no, he I mean, absolutely like, has a choice do, do you deck but he desires like he chooses to wear his own armor he has his own set most of the time he doesn't wear oh he's good yeah, okay. he mostly doesn't wear his full-on set when we do events and whatnot just because it, armor is hot and so he yeah. doesn't like it as much especially when in the middle of the summer so so usually he'll dress in a tunic and his pantaloons but he doesn't put on his full armor set like i do um he does really support me because i am unable to put my breastplate on by myself so every time i have an interview or an event or something like that we usually wake up early and he helps me get into my armor and then if he has to go to work, he goes to work. That's what he did this morning uh, before this event is or this interview. He yeah. got up. We got up early. He helped me into my breastplate and then he went to work. And so now I'm chilling in my house with my cats and armor. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I I wish we'd have done the uh, the Zoom one. I'm still trying to work out the whole the whole uh, podcast inside of it because we have another podcast, which is essentially a virtual pub where we there's a group of us and we just drink too much and act like we're in a pub <laughs> even though we're not i love that and 
it it was oh it's it such an uh, a unique thing to come about because uh when everyone went into lockdown here i've got a bunch of musician friends that were worried about how they're going to handle the pandemic not being able to perform so i created a platform that we can bring on musicians and they can perform and somehow still make money in this absolutely bizarre scenario so we set up the podcast and then I reached out to them and they said no. Oh, no. <laughs> which, oh, I know, which is absolutely bizarre. So I was like, okay, I'll take the hits. That's fine. I could deal with that. But we just rolled with the virtual pub anyway. And we just, so what we'll have, we'll have to do is work out a way that we can get the armor on the virtual, but not the armor, get you as well. <laughs> <laughs> because this is brilliant. This is, it's so, it's so unique. And not only that, but you've got this, this fantasy series, which is, I'm going to have to I'm going to have to go out not go out I'm not going out I'm going to have to order because it sounds fascinating and not just that but the way you've set it up is something that I can get my nieces and they can look at this hopefully this character that they can relate to you know, and that's which... what I wanted. I just wanted to create a character that young me was looking for. And originally I thought it was just me yeah. that was looking for that, but it turns out that a lot of people were actually missing that in my lives and or in their lives and they've really supported. They've all come around to support this series and it's been wonderful. And uh all of the books are available in all countries. So if you have Amazon UK instead of Amazon US, then obviously you can get it there as well and on Audible. So Okay. Oh, you got it on. Um, so, who does the uh, Audible? Then is that is that you, or do you get no, someone else? No, actually, to do that? my narrator. Her name is Sarah Morsey, and she is so incredibly talented. We got to go to the Indie Audiobook Awards last no, 2019 now, uh, for the first book. Uh, that was fantastic. We just won two awards from Audiobook Reviewer because of the audiobook that just came out for Fire Betrayer, book number two in the series. So she does amazing. So if you like audiobooks, then definitely listen to them. Sarah Morsey does an amazing job of bringing that world into an entirely different demographic. Like she does so well with painting yeah. those pictures. I love, I actually, I, most of the time, just because I'm always running about, I prefer audiobooks. That always works out better for me. But it's nice. It's nice that you've got the options out there as well. How did the award come about then? How do you get nominated for that, or do you have to throw your? Because I know there's some that people put their own names into, and I'm furthest thing from being an award-winning writer. So I don't know how <laughs> uh, it happened. Um, the Indie Audiobook Awards, I had never, I had never been part of before I was nominated. I'm not sure how I got nominated for that. I do know that Sarah Morsey does have a, a much larger following than I do. And so I think that somebody in her fan base nominated it. And I think the same thing happened for the, the audiobook reviewer because she's so well known. She is so, so talented and she has her own fans on top of the fans that I brought into it. So I think that we were nominated because somebody listened to her and like, oh, this is great again. So, so that's all. Oh, that's, that's great. All they, it's yeah, it's great if you can extend that that or if fans of fans of people that are listening, they they can all come together, which is fantastic. Oh, you know, absolutely. That's so. Have, are you have you bringing out? Are you still writing? Are you bringing out anything? 
No? Yes, I'm actually writing Faye Ascended right now, which will be the last book in this series. So I'm wrapping up the Faye trilogy, and I'm sad, but I'm also really excited. What's that like? Is that... Yeah. Yeah? I suppose if you put you put so many books into it, the wrapping it up has got to be a got to be a bit um a bit scary. It is I would because imagine. this is what I've made all of my name on has been the Fae Chronicles. But every book, yeah. rather than following a specific person, every book follows uh the the society more than anything. Uh, in book one, in the last Fae, there is a very very large war there's a lot of destruction there's a lot of because it's a military fantasy and so there's a lot of battles and wars and all the stories and i wanted to show the unexpected aftermath of a war and so book two actually takes place almost 200 years after the first book ends and you get to see how that war affected society, how the power vacuum made a difference. And some of the characters, because there is magic involved, do come back from the first book. But it's the following of that story. It shows what happens to a country that's been consumed by war, and then what happens even after the war is won. Because so many books like The War is Won, and you just assume everything is fine after that, but that's not how war tends to work. So... No, and then course. the third book, the final book, happens about 50 years after the end of book two. And it's really, really interesting. I'm not going to give too many spoilers on what's happening, but it's a different time period than I've ever written about. So it's still military fantasy, yeah. but it's entering something new. And we're almost getting to the point where it's going to start being steampunk if I keep going with this. So I think this is a good place to end this <laughs> series because I don't. I'm not yeah. ready to write a steampunk book. I want to keep it in my military fantasy with the medieval uh, storyline. Ab- absolutely, the the whole steampunk thing is is far beyond me. <laughs> I I've never I've seen I've been to a steampunk. Uh, it was almost like a warehouse, but they was and it just it it's not. I just I don't understand it. I'll be honest, but the fantasy medieval. That sort of thing I absolutely love. I really do. I love the steampunk like, aesthetic, and I love that community. It's just not something that I feel prepared to write because they will tear me apart if I start right <laughs> now. But I do know medieval, so yeah. Oh, that's 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 a hundred percent fair. I got um, no, I get that. I I think you get that with everything though. I I'm going for uh, lo- my first book's horror, but I I second one i've immediately got away from that for the same reason because i don't want i don't want to stay in the same genre and just get picked apart absolutely and it's fun to broaden your horizons i wrote a science fiction short story last year it's available on my website and i'd never written science fiction before and i love that story i think that turned out to be one of my best stories because so much is told in such a small amount of time it's very compact but very real world and I've never had a chance to do that. I'm excited to do that again, but I don't know if I want to just make my name in science fiction or just make my name in military fantasy. No, absolutely. It is great to to completely. I've got um I don't know if you do this when you're obviously everyone's got their own writing process. For me, I've always got a notepad with me and I've decked it. It's loaded with ideas and each one I'm trying to make as different from the last, like genres, everything. I love that. So like yeah, like because it is exactly that. Like 
I, I'm a massive horror fan. I grew up, I love like old school 80s slashes, you know, like bad acting, great kills, that sort of thing. Like just to, but I couldn't stay in what I couldn't stay in one thing, but I think it is different for everyone. Do you have a writing process then? Um, not a good one. Not one that everyone says you're supposed no. to. I never know what's going to happen in my books until about five pages after I finish writing that scene. It's I I am definitely what you call a pantser. I know there's plotters and there's pantsers. I am I'm a pantser. I don't know what's happening. So and I love it. As someone that's <laughs> yeah, as someone that's super new to this, I, like my my first book came out this week. What's a what's a plotter and what's a pl- uh, prancer? Because I've never heard so that. A- a plotter is somebody that plots out their books ahead of time. They know exactly what's going to happen. They know how the scenes are going to go. Some of them have outlines. But a plotter knows where they want the story to go. A pantser, we write by the seat of our pants. We write as it comes to us, and we just keep going, and we just like follow our characters around and write up an incident report. And that's it's it requires a lot more editing. Uh, if you're like me, it ends up with a lot of chapters you have to delete because somebody died that they weren't supposed to, or you write yourself into a hole, or you like start following a side story, and then you're like, "This should not actually be in the book. We've 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 fallen <laughs> off the path. <laughs> you have to erase it and go back." Yeah, that's it. Um, there's good and bad things to both. I think that there's not a correct way to write a book as long as you're out there writing. Um, I really respect people that are plotters. I really, really respect that you have an idea in your head and you're able to follow it all the way through. I have never been able to do that. So I just write as it comes to me. And it's it's exciting when something amazing happens. Um, in the f- middle of the first book, there's a a really neat kind of twist where a bunch of things that I brought up in like chapter two come back to light. And it sounds like yeah. I planned that from the beginning and everybody thinks I did, but I was so excited when that just popped up. I was like, Oh my gosh, who wrote that? And it turned out it was me, but, <laughs> but that's what I do. I'm, yeah. I know that that's not, according to a lot of people, that's not the correct way to write, but it is what brought me through two books. So I feel like there's no wrong way to write something. No, that's it. I I get that. I don't know where I am then because I pre I do pre, I pre-plan everything. But then once I start, I've got like a very quick attention a bad attention span. <laughs> so I'll start something and then I'll bounce between another thing and then I'll find myself going back because I'm like, "Oh, this was great change." I I'm somewhere in the middle, so I I think we need a name for that. I think we do need one. But we we'll, we'll, have to we'll, come up with one and then pen it. Yeah, like Absolutely. I'm going to I'm going to grab out grab it before anyone else. But as long as my process I found is is coffee. Uh, that's that's the thing that's getting me through it is long hours and coffee. Like I've got Oh, go on. I think my main thing is I don't drink coffee. I do drink a lot of tea. But I think my main thing is I write 200 words a day. I know a lot of people say that you're supposed to write 2,000 or 3,000 words a day, but that was just too much for me. And I was getting overwhelmed before I'd even start. And then I would sit down and be like, well, I don't have enough time to write 2,000 words today, so I'm not going to write anything. And I did that for so you know long. What? So 200 words, it's all I write. It takes about 10 minutes, but it's got me through two books. <laughs> no, when you, when you said 200 words a day, I thought, oh, that's a really good amount. I could get to that. 
And then you said 2000. I'm thinking, um, yeah. And so (laughs) many people think that they have to write 2000 words a day or more in order to be a quote unquote professional author. And I don't know. It just seems like so much. If you're, if you are blocking your brain before you even sit down to start, then that's, that's too big of a goal. Start with something tiny, like even tinier, start with a hundred words a day or 50 words a day, if that's what it takes. And even if you only write 50 words, that's better than the zero that a lot of people end up writing. So I don't know. Oh, oh, absolutely. I mean, I've been, what I do is I've been up almost every day at say like five, six a.m. sit down to write. And there's some days where I feel like I can hit that goal, but my, the last day, I think it must be last Friday. Now I sat down to write, I sat at a computer for eight hours and didn't get a single word wrote. I'm lying. I got one word wrote and I deleted it. <laughs> like, but then you have other days where you get loads done. I, it's, it's a, it is a process. Absolutely. It's a bizarre, bizarre process. And I have, so is your, is it full time for you? Is this not, not at all. I actually have three jobs and then I write on the side. And so I think that's why I started this, this tiny little goal is because after I get off one or one job and if I only have 30 minutes before I have to go to the other job, I'm not going to fit in 2,000 words. And a lot of the time I was like, well, you know what? I'm definitely not going to hit that, so I'm not even going to try it. But now when I'm like, well, you only have to write 200 words, I bet you could finish that before you go to the the next job. And so I do, and that's much, much easier. And sometimes I'll start with my 200 words, and it'll open like a floodgate, and then I'll write 1,000 words or 3,000 words. And that's fine. I love days like that, but it's okay if I don't do that every day just start with the tiny goal and see what happens that's it that's that's fantastic so what are your free jobs what's what's keeping you because that's a, that's a lot i only have one uh full-time job i do have a degree in teaching i teach high school english oh, okay and then right. i work for an inventory company and then i work part-time at our local library oh that's fantastic so what do your what do your students think of the armor do they do they follow your books as well? So I don't. Some of them do. I didn't. I never talk about my books in the classroom because I don't know. I just I want to keep my my personal life and my teaching life separate. But the kids have seen my armor. I wear it on uh, Halloween sometimes, or if we start Beowulf, I will usually put it on for the first day. Things like that. And oh, that's they fantastic. do love it. Um, I do have some of my students because students are they're really interested in their teachers and they'll like Google you and whatnot as it turns out. <laughs> and so some of them have read my books. I think they all at least know that I've written books, but we're kind of moving away from people just reading books in classrooms. So not yeah. very many of them have read it, but I have had a few that, that love him. And so it's kind of that's, cool that they're that's fantastic. fans. Yeah, I mean that's it's it's such a unique thing. I mean, when I was in school, the no one no one knew about the teachers. The only thing we knew was one teacher was a DJ, <laughs> and everyone was fascinated by it. But we couldn't get him. You couldn't find it anywhere, and you couldn't see him do this. So it was just a story that people told, and it's like, <laughs> no, that see like that to me would be great. That would be fantastic. Well, and having a name like have- Tahani Nelson. There's not a lot of Tahani Nelsons out there, so uh, it's not difficult yeah, to, to where, Google me. <laughs> what's what's the Tahani? Is that 
is that your is that your birth name? Yep, uh, Tahani is Arabic. It means congratulations. I am not Arabic personally. My parents just really really like the name, so it's a very common name in a lot of Middle Eastern com- countries. But Nelson is such an obviously not Middle Eastern name that there's not usually that connection. There's not usually a Tahani yeah. and a Nelson in the same. So, oh, that's that's great though. It, it, it gives you that that uniqueness like that. Yep. Just straight off the bat, name the name's unique, and then everything else that follows is just fantastic. Mm-hmm. It's um, I have one more question I have to ask as well. Go ahead. What's the most What's the most bizarre encounter in the in the armor? Have you ever had to like shield bash someone, or you know, like? <laughs> no, cause... when we do, sometimes we do uh, do battles and whatnot with the SCA, and so I have fought in the armor, but that's all that's been planned. I think the weirdest thing that's ever happened with the armor is I did have a young girl. She must have been six or seven. And she came back to my booth like six or seven or eight times during the same day just to trace the there's dragons on my breastplate. Just to trace the dragons with her finger. And she never said anything. She just came up and like would touch it and trace the dragons and then leave again. And Eventually, her mother came with her, and she's like, she's autistic, she's nonverbal, she just really likes your armor, but didn't know how to say that. And I, I thought that was really neat that I made this connection with this person that obviously was never going to talk to me. But that was probably like because I didn't know what was going on, and I didn't want to just push a, a seven-year-old away, <laughs> so I just let it happen. No, of course. But it was really cool, and I'm, I'm glad that she had that opportunity to see something that she enjoyed and. Uh, get that tactile Absolutely. response with it. Yeah, I mean, kids are so intuitive. So, I mean, if they say something that sticks with them, you and you get these great moments, and it's fantastic that you got that. You know. Yeah. yeah, it was a really neat experience after I realized what was happening. But for the first couple times that she did it, I didn't know I didn't know what was going on, and I'd be like, yeah. "Hi, can I help you?" And she wouldn't answer, obviously. And I was like, "I don't, I don't know what to do." But it was now is one of my favorite <laughs> memories. <laughs> Oh, absolutely. Okay, what we're going to do is we're going to wrap it up. So where can the people find you? Uh, the easiest way is probably to go to my website, tahaninelson.com, T-A-H-A-N-I-N-E-L-S-O-N.com. Uh, if you type in Tahani Nelson into Google, everything that pops up is going to be me. Or you can type in FAI, F-A-O-I-I, anywhere, literally anywhere, and it will show up. Uh, all of my books are available on Audible on Amazon and as part of KU. Oh, that is fantastic. I will definitely be grabbing one on Audible. It has been an absolute pleasure to talk to you. Thank you very much. And I hope we get a chance to talk soon. Thank you so much for having me on. Take care.